we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Great passage. The idea of being born again. Interesting one. Uh, very famous scripture here in John 3.16. We're going to work through this whole section. Going to get some insight into it. And I'm keen for it. Now, to start with, I want to tell you about uh, one of my kids' favorite book series, which is The Bad Guys. Anyone got grandkids or anyone knows, knows this one, right? The basic idea behind this book series, right, is that uh, you've got Mr. Shark, Mr. Wolf, uh, Mr. Piranha, and Mr. Snake, and four predators who decide they don't want to be bad guys anymore, they want to be good. Unfortunately, they're not very good at it. And if the giggling that comes from my boy's room is any indication, hilarity ensues, right? But it got me thinking, you know, this idea about going from being a bad guy to a good guy is hardly just the stuff of kids' books. It's actually common in lots of stories that we know. Uh, so in 2004, uh, this guy Christopher Booker, he put out a book that basically said all stories fall into seven different categories, right? Every single story, uh, if you look at it, you'll see it, see there, Overcoming the Monster, Rags to Riches, The Quest, Voyage and Return, Comedy, Tragedy, or Rebirth, 
Okay, and the rebirth storyline is essentially you've got a bad guy or at least an unlikable guy or woman who goes through some sort of transformation and joins the team of good. They are reborn from the light into the darkness. And when you actually start to think about lots of our favorite movies and TV shows and books and that sort of stuff, lots of stories fit into this category, okay? So, obviously, Darth Vader in Star Wars, classic example, of, you know, right at the end of his story, what ends up happening with him, Edmund from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Scrooge in A Christmas Carol, classic tale as we get towards Christmas. This idea of bad guys to go under a transformation and come into the light. Uh, one of uh, Fee and my COVID watches has been the Vampire Diaries, okay? Any fans out there? No, it's fine. It's awesome, all right? I was always a Buffy guy back in the day, so I never watched this. I was kind of skeptical of it at the time, but it's been great. And the whole, basically, the whole story revolves around uh, these two vampire brothers who love this human girl, all right? Love triangle drama. Interesting, all right? But here's the thing. Even though they're trying to be good, they're still vampires, Alright, so innocent people die at their hands, and but we want them to become good. Even they're, they're trying, they're they're vampires, right? But as I watch, and I'm like, as they go on their dark turns and that sort of thing, as much as I'm like, I know the show, they're going to bring them back to light. But I'm always kind of uncomfortable because it's like there's a lot of people that have died, and I'm going to end up being like, yeah, you're back, but there was a lot of blood, you know. And sometimes in these rebirth stories. It's tough for us because it's like, I'm glad you've come back to the good, but death, bad stuff. And and if I'm going to feel comfortable as somebody watching this story, I need to know that something is being done. Either there's an excuse for why they did what they did, or there's some good or something like that that kind of makes me feel like the morality of it works. But we're going to see in this passage today, a rebirth story. Or at least we're going to be told the basics of how the rebirth story works, and we're going to see how Jesus solves the morality problem that we have in any of these rebirth stories. So we're going to look at Nicodemus and Jesus and their exchange, and then we're going to look at John's comments, which I'll explain a little bit more about when we get there, and then we're going to think about what that means for how we are to live today. Alright, so, quick recap, we're in the Gospel of John. Alright, John's Gospel is written about 90 to 100 AD. It's written about 20 years after the rest of the Gospels. We get a bunch of stories in John's Gospels that aren't in the other Gospel narratives. And this exchange with Nicodemus is another one of these stories that the other Gospel writers don't talk about. Okay, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Okay, that means that he is part of a group at the time that was really big on Old Testament laws and really big on their own laws that they made up to really make sure that you followed the Old Testament laws. And not only that, but he's a member of the Jewish ruling council. He is an important guy. He's a learned guy. He's an expert on the law, on religion, on politics. He is a a big time kind of guy. And Jesus has been teaching, he's been starting to get some followers, and so Nicodemus comes to her at night to say, I want to know a bit more about this. And so he gets there and he says to him, from verse 2, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus is sincere. He sees what Jesus is doing and he's thinking, something's going on here. Right? And so he's paying Jesus a compliment. 
But Jesus, fairly, you know, almost aggressively, sort of jumps straight into, I've got some deeper truth for you. That's nice that you're saying nice things, but let me hit you with some deeper stuff. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus clearly kind of taken aback by this strange statement that Jesus just throws out there fairly early on in the conversation. And he says, I think with incredulity, like I don't think he's actually taking Jesus literally here. I think he's kind of saying this as a way of saying, what are you talking about? And he says, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. I don't think Nicodemus is an idiot who thinks Jesus is being literal here. I think he's saying to him, what are you talking about, man? Like, what, what, are, what are we on about? Right? And so Jesus says, well, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. What's, what's, what's Jesus getting at here? Well, it, it seems like he's saying the same thing twice, just with a little bit different language, right? I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and spirit. So being born again and being born born of water and the spirit seems to be the same thing. But still leaves us with the $64,000 question, right? What is this? What is What is being born again or born of the spirit? Now, Scholars disagree over this a little bit, like the specifics of it, but what's really, really clear is is that we're talking about a spiritual birth rather than a physical one. The mention of water here might be a reference to the baptizing that John's already been doing, which is this idea of repentance and coming to God to be cleansed and that sort of idea. That might be part of what Jesus is talking about here, but even if it's not, we get that idea from, from other parts in the Bible. What's really, really clear is that we need to be spiritually reborn. That it's not just enough to be born physically to enter the kingdom of God, which for the Jews at the time was a big deal because if they saw themselves as part of Abraham's family, if they were born into that family physically, they thought they were born into God's people. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's not just about physical birth. You need to be spiritually reborn. So he goes on, he says, flesh gives birth to flesh... But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. He knows that this is going to take Nicodemus back a little bit. Nicodemus' first reaction is is still, you know, what what exactly are we talking about here? And, And so he says, well, it's kind of like The wind. The spirit moving is kind of like the wind. The wind blows, it does its own thing, and we don't know exactly where it's going, and we're sort of used to that, but you need to get used to the idea that the spirit moves and the spirit does its thing, and we're not always going to know and actually actually understand what it's doing. So don't be surprised by this, that I'm telling you the spirit does something surprising. That's just what the spirit does. But, Nicodemus, understandably, as one of my growth group members this week said, he thinks that Nicodemus is responding by saying, say, what? Or in Bible talk, how can this be? Alright, that, that, that's kind of, he's, he's confused. What, what is going on here? Now, on one level, I think we can empathize, but I kind of love what Jesus does here, and that he says to him, you're Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things? I guarantee you, any single one of us people there in Nicodemus' shoes would have been like, I don't know what he's talking about. But Jesus still hits him with this sense of, you're, you're the teacher of Israel? And you don't get this stuff? 
Now again, I actually think that what Jesus is doing here, because he's about to make a comparison about whose testimony we trust, that what Jesus is doing is saying, I thought, you know, aren't you guys the expert? Don't you know these things? Because what he's going to do now is appeal to a different source of authority as the one who should be listened to. He says, for the third time, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. Not entirely sure who the we is here. Could be Father, Son, and Spirit. Not totally sure. Could be the royal we. We do not accept. But either way, Jesus is saying, I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and what we and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I think when you people here means that the teachers of Israel, not just all the Jewish folk, but but you you leaders, you people who should know better. Verse twelve I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How well then you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. I've just told you about what needs to happen with people here on earth. They need to be born again and you have not understood this. How can I tell you about the even more extraordinary heavenly plans that God has? If you can't get this bit, how am I going to tell you about the next bit? But then he goes on and he hits at the next bit anyway. Because it's about the Son of Man. The Son of Man is the one who has come from heaven. The Son of, the man, is one, the Son of man is the one who's been to heaven. We learned a couple of weeks ago that the Son of Man is a reference to this Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 7, where we see this figure riding on clouds, approaching the throne of God, and the peoples are worshipping him. It's a divine figure, and it's Jesus' favorite name for himself. He says the Son of Man is the one you should be listening to, and this is what's going to happen to him. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. What's he talking about here? Well, turns out there's an Old Testament story in Numbers chapter 21 where the people of God, Israel, wandering around in the desert start to get into complaining about God and what God is doing. So God sends some venomous snakes to bite them and people start dying. People come back to Moses and they're like, we're really sorry. Good call. And then Moses takes a pole and puts a bronze snake upon it, sort of walks through the camp, and everyone who looks at it doesn't die. It's one of those Old Testament stories, right, where if you're a believer in Jesus and trust that the Bible is God's word, you've kind of just got to go, yep, I guess, sure, that happened. If you don't believe it this morning and you come here and you're like, that sounds crazy, that's okay. It's kind of meant to sound crazy. God does miraculous stuff, right? In the Old Testament, we see God choosing to speak to a dude from a donkey. Okay, God does crazy things sometimes, but we say yes. Yes, do you believe this for real? Yes, we believe this for real, and Jesus did too. But the point of him bringing up this story is to say that just like that bronze snake was lifted up and the people who saw it lived, so too the Son of Man is going to be lifted up, and anyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Now he's hinting at not only that he's going to die, but also how he's going to die. He's going to be lifted up not on a pole, but on a cross. And you can again imagine Nicodemus sort of being like, what, 
what is going on here, man? And Nicodemus is going to come back a couple of times through, through the stories. And we seem, to, we seem to see him getting growing understanding through John's Gospel. But at this point, I imagine he was still fairly confused. And I think we're just going to pause for a minute, step out of the, the dialogue to explain what I think is happening with what John, the Gospel writer, is doing here to really get this. So, how many of you have got a red letter Bible? Like one of those Bibles that have got, like, the, the you know, writing a red, lost you guys, right? Now, for time's sake, I won't get you guys to, to, to pull it out and show us, but some of you in that red letter Bible, the red will stop at verse 15. Has anyone actually got one here in front of them? No, but you, but you know what I'm talking about, okay. Do, does your stop at verse 15? Okay, you'll stop at verse 15. Some of the, most of the later ones, that red will come all the way down to the end of this passage at the, uh, sorry, in, sorry, in the earlier red letter Bibles, that red would have gone down all the way to verse 21. So, as people have kept reading John's Gospel, more and more they've thought to themselves, actually we think Jesus stops talking in verse 15, and the Gospel writer John starts to throw in his comments here from verse 16 onwards. It's tricky because in Greek there's no speech marks. They don't sort of nicely tidy off the sentence with the quote mark, so we know, oh, that's, that's done there. Okay. And so, I, as I've been looking at it this week, I'm fairly sure that they're right. I think that it actually is John talking from verse 16. Well, don't, you don't need to read that. It's just a visual. Sorry. I think that it's John talking here from verse 16. Because, mostly, when he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, he seems to be thinking about everything that Jesus is going to do, and he's speaking of it in the past tense. Like it's already happened. And there's some language things that makes it look more like John's words than Jesus' words as well. But we're going to treat this like this is John, the Gospel writer, speaking here from verse 16. And that's important because what it means is this. We've had the dialogue with Nicodemus. We've had that exchange going on. We've had Jesus hint at how he is going to die and that through that eternal life is going to come to those who believe in him. And for John, the Gospel writer, reporting on that conversation, he's like, well, poor Nicodemus, he had no clue what was going on. I've got all these guys reading the gospel now who've heard stuff about Jesus. I want them to be clear on what Jesus is talking about. So he's going to give them his insights as somebody who's seen all of Jesus' story and is now going to give that picture to them. So John says, after this exchange with Nicodemus, or after recording this exchange with Nicodemus, to explain what Jesus has just been talking about, the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. The Son of Man being lifted up, is God's gift to us that through him all might receive eternal life who believe in him. God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Despite our sin, despite what we have done, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And John wants us to be crystal clear that either you are believing in Jesus and you will live, or you are rejecting Jesus and you are condemned. We know he wants to be super clear on this because he he's basically says this here, right? Either you're believing or you're not. And then he goes on and says something really similar to drive home that point again. 
This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Either you are loving the darkness or you're loving the light. You're living in the shadows or you're coming into the truth. There's no halfway point here. John, again, he's being really clear about this. It's one or the other. Two kinds of people in this world. Either you're going to be on the side of darkness, you're a bad guy, or you're going to come into the light as a good guy. But, what we have to understand really, 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 really well, super important that we get this, is actually what it means to go from being a bad guy to a good guy. Because it's not like movies or TV. Where if I just do enough good stuff, then I, I get to go and be a good guy. I, I, I get to be have eternal life. It's not like the, the good place where like there's this fancy, intricate point system weighing up the good and bad that you've done. And if you can get enough good points, then you get into the good place and that sort of idea. That's not what we're talking about here. We do not have the power to go from being bad guys to good guys ourselves. That's the whole point that he's been getting at, right? If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Being born again is not something that we do. Being born again is the work of the Spirit. And so if we're going to go from being a bad guy to a good guy, it's something that we have to recognize God does. Verse 21 there, But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done coming into the light has been done through God. God is the one who transforms us from being bad guys into making us good guys. It's not something that we do. And that means two things for us this morning, depending on where we stand with the Lord. If you're not currently believing and trusting in Jesus, then what this is saying is that you're still in the darkness. And what is the reason that this passage at least says that people stay in the darkness? Well, it's because, as it says there, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. If we're in the darkness, we don't want it to be made open what we do. In the bigger picture of the Bible, we're born into darkness. We've all sinned, we've all made mistakes. We don't want, if we were to take a TV that just fed a feed from our brain and showed the worst things that we'd ever done, we don't want that out there in the open. We don't want people to see us through that. We know we've done horrible things. We know we've done things that we regret, that we're embarrassed about, that we're ashamed of. And that can stop us from coming into light because we don't want to expose, but this is the thing. Through what Jesus has done in being lifted up on the cross, he's paid the price for us. The condemnation that our sins deserve, he takes upon himself in order that we can come into the light, not because we deserve it, not because we're great, but because rather, he's dealt with our sin. We can come into the light because he's paid the price for us. And so if you're here this morning and you are not believing in Jesus, this is your chance to come into the light. That you can ask for the Holy Spirit to give you new life. That you can be born again. 
And so if that is you here, I, I, I don't want to miss a moment here to do that. And so we're just going to take a second. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if, if this is you, then you can just pray along with me and talk to me afterwards. But let's just bow our heads for a moment and pray this prayer. Father God, please forgive me for my sins. Please, Lord, may I be born again. I confess my faith in you as being Lord and Savior. And even if I don't 100% know what that means, I feel it in my heart that I am to trust you and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It seems simple, but if you just did that with sincerity in your heart for the first time, welcome to the kingdom of God. That's what this passage is saying. You have been born again. You can't pray that prayer with sincerity unless it's the work of the Spirit. And if it's you, please come and talk to me afterwards and we'll let you know where we go from here. But look, for most of us this morning, we have been born again already. And so what does this passage say to us? Well, I hope you've been encouraged again about what God has done in giving you new life, in rebirthing you, bringing you into the light. That's awesome. But let's not miss what this passage says to all those who walk in the truth, what we ought to do. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has, been done, what he has done has been done through God. If we walk in the truth, we are to live open lives where people can see the work of God in it. We are to live, we are to walk in the light, we are to come into the light, we are to be out in the open, so that people can see what God has done. There are all sorts of passages out there that encourage us about proclaiming the gospel. But one of the ways that we actually get opportunities to proclaim the gospel is by living our lives in such a way that people can actually see the change and the transformation that's taken place. Not boastfully, not arrogantly, But what's Jesus been doing? He's been going around talking to people about the kingdom of God and Nicodemus has now come to him wanting to know more because he's seen what Jesus is doing and he says to him, God must be with you. Are you living your life in such a way that people look at it and they say, you know, you're you're different. There's a goodness. There's a love. There's a spirit about you that has felt... Something must be with... They might not even be able to call it God. Nicodemus was a learned Jew. He had that framework. But there are people in your lives who won't know why you're different, but they'll want to know when they see your goodness and the love that's in you. And as we do that, we're going to have the same opportunity that Jesus had to explain the gospel, to point them towards the Son of Man and all that He's done for us. So let me encourage you this morning. That if you're believing and trusting in God to live in the light, don't be ashamed of your faith. Don't be ashamed of what Jesus has done. If somebody says to you, you're one of those born-again Christians, you can say there's no other kind. Yes, I've been born again. I believe God's Spirit lives within me. And I'm not ashamed to tell you about this because even though it sounds weird, it's the greatest thing. Also, if you think that's weird, let me tell you about the snakes. Maybe don't go there straight away. We're to live our life in the open so that people want to know what is it that's different and we can say to them, God has reborn me into his kingdom and I want to tell you all about it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the work that you've done in us. Thank you for giving us new life. Thank you for your spirit within us.
Thank you, Lord, for birthing us into your kingdom so that we can know you truly. Thank you, Lord, that we understand now everything that you have done through the cross, through your death and your resurrection. Thank you, Father, so much for conquering death so that we can have eternal life. And may we now live in the light so that others will see what you have done and we will have opportunity to tell them about you and how great you are and just what it means that we've been born again into your kingdom and that they can have that too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.